Hey everyone, welcome back to One Shot at a Time. I'm your forever DM, Daniel Locke. Eric Cockra. What? Eric? Look at something else and <laughs> use it as a reference. Don't just say the first thing you see. I thought you were going to introduce me. No, no, you introduce yourself. Oh, okay. Hi, I'm Daniel. Also, I would fucking Eric Cockra. What? What? Why are we going so deep right in the beginning? Do we need to try this again? I think like the first three episodes have already weeded out, weeded out anybody who would take offense to that joke. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And also, I'm sure most of the people listening to this don't really know what an Aarakocker is anyways, so they probably just think it's like an exotic... And anyone else who does probably understands that we're pretty pro-furry and feathery people. Yeah, yeah. We're just very like sex positive yeah, yeah, on this so podcast. For sure, for sure. So anyone who likes to... Get it on in that direction. We are okay with you. <laughs> but, yep, uh, welcome back to One Shot at a Time. It's a D&D podcast, most of the time, where we take a random prompt and turn it into a one-shot adventure. Today, looks like our prompt is going to be the game Monster Hunter, which right. Daniel is the expert in, and I am not. So I'm going to let you explain what the prompt is about. Okay, great. Yeah, the prompt is literally just Monster Hunter. There is kind of a lot we can do with this. Obviously, the game is about hunting big monsters... But there's also a lot of world building in the game where there is a lot of like lore that isn't necessarily explored that might be kind of interesting, though I can't really just pull Monster Hunter lore out of my ass. You can try. You can show your ass. All right, here we go. I'm showing Daniel my ass. Ah, my eyes. <laughs> it burns. No, it's a pretty nice ass, actually. I'd be oh. very mean to call out my other half's co-host's ass as being... I don't know where I'm going with this. Anyways, okay. Um, what core concepts of Monster Hunter the game did you want to use for like a one-shot adventure? So I'm kind of thinking about this, and I don't know if it would be that compelling to just be like, hey, go hunt this dragon. I think what I kind of want to explore here is like the sort of survival aspects of the world of Monster Hunter. Because a lot of times the struggle of like living in that world is like you are part of these like remote villages and you're kind of just trying to live like there is a hunter's guild that mm. specializes in hunting down dangerous monsters and okay. so like people who live in these villages they request hunters to come to their village and like hunt down threats that are within the vicinity of their village mm -hmm. or things that are uh, like non-native predators that are threatening the ecosystem. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think there's some cool directions you can kind of go with the smaller scale of the game world, which is like you are just maybe like some fledgling hunters or something who oh, get okay. called out to like a remote village um, and you're free to sort of like do your own world building there. Yeah, it's something that's very insertable into a lot of ongoing campaigns if you need to, because in a sense, it, like the base concept of monster hunter is just every time you take a mission you eat some food and then go kill a monster right but yep. from the world building aspect you're essentially coming to a small village in the middle of nowhere and helping them by clearing out these dangerous beasts that are like essentially on a wanted poster yeah the gameplay loop is pretty much just like wanton mindless killing of wildlife <laughs> oh okay um, because, well, like, if you ignore the story, then it's pretty much just, okay, here's a quest to go kill a giant pig guy. Okay, now here's a quest to go kill a big bear. Okay, now here's a quest to go kill, like, a weird kind of worm thing in a cave. So it's just big game hunter, but Japanese, yeah, I guess. right. I mean, at its core, and it's funny because when Monster Hunter World came out, which is, like, the first sort of, like, globally publicized game mm -hmm. in the series, a lot of journalists were like, 
is it okay that we have a game that is just like encouraging hunting wildlife for no reason? Huh, interesting. And like a lot of people came out because like, yeah, on the surface, it definitely looks like that. Because if you look at the gameplay loop, it's just like, hey, go out and kill a bunch of monsters so that you can turn them into armor. And that's it. Yeah, just getting trophies essentially to hang up on your wall and stuffed. Or I mean, it's not even, it's worse because it's like you're literally wearing them. Oh, okay. And like you're using their claws for your weapons. Straight up like a 101 Dalmatian scenario, trying to... Cruella DeVille and get some spots from the dogs. Is oh, that is that the plot? Yeah. 101 Dalmatian is essentially like one family has like 101 Dalmatians and then there's this evil fashion designer that wants to skin all the dots so they can wear a coat of them as spots, like a fur coat. Dude, that is so fucked up. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. It's... We should do that for a one shot. What the hell? Dude, oh. imagine wanting to skin a dog to wear it fashion how insane in the context of modern society would you have to be to be like yeah that sounds like a great idea they have such a unique design black dots on (laughs) white fur i should skin them and wear them as a coat i mean it was a 90s movie but yeah the idea is that she is actually insane that's insane that's fucking insane so maybe that's our plot for this one there's a hunter who's been tasking you to go out and hunt monsters but secretly is just wanting to wear them as coats for fun you want to take it the other way you want to be like you want to explore the sort of like anti-hunter approach where it's like oh you know like the reason people are hunting monsters is because they're fucking crazy okay well actually before we go deep into that side of the storyline which could be interesting too what is the base story of monster hunter is there actually a plot or is it just go fucking kill stuff um okay so i started playing with try which was on the wii and i have very fond memories of playing co-op with my friends until like 6 Mm a.m i think we would literally play from like 5 p.m to 6 a.m and there was this one day where one of my friends was like hey uh yeah my mom doesn't want me (laughs) playing games that much okay so i can't actually play anymore that's fair but yeah so in try the story is like you're a hunter you come to this sort of like uh seaside village and i don't remember if there's like a specific reason you're there i think like the village just contracts one hunter to be there at all times just in case yes um and then the game starts out and it kind of introduces this concept that like there are mysterious tremors that are happening around this uh seaside village and then basically like you get tasked to like hunt down random monsters that are like threatening the immediate village and its people when they're like going out to hunt for food and then eventually you find out that the tremors are being caused by like this giant ancient underwater beast oh okay. um and then so like the single player game kind of culminates in you hunting that guy down and mm-hmm. saving the village okay yeah so it's a lot of like monsters kind of exist in the same world as all of these other herbivores and mm-hmm. like everything is very like fantastical there's not like just like sheep okay i guess there's like rams okay but it's like fantasy rams mm-hmm. there is sort of like a normal ecosystem and then there's like giant monsters who are sort of like lone predators i guess and there's like a bunch of lore that i'm sure we're gonna get super wrong you're gonna get super about, wrong i know nothing about the about, game so i'm safe well that's okay that's not really fair but <laughs> Well, fine. I, I bear all responsibility. All you lore lore masters. Well, I mean, they're going to be adding you on Twitter, so I guess. I guess I'm, yeah. So I get I get. The I won't get of any it. of the flag. Yeah. I'll, I'll filter it for you. Okay. okay. So let's iron out the story for what we kind of want to play with for the one shot adventure, and then figure out the mechanical aspects. If we're just going to leave it as a straight D and D like vanilla style raw, or if we want to add in some aspects that are related to Monster Hunter to kind of make it feel unique of a one shot. Why don't we do this? Why don't you tell me? what is interesting to you about monster hunter because like it's not as interesting for me to just like sit here and then be like 
explaining the world of Monster Hunter and like how there's Velociprey and you need to hunt them for their pelts. <laughs> That's fair. Okay, so this is my perspective as someone who doesn't play Monster Hunter, but mm-hmm. only absorbs it via osmosis from YouTube, Daniel telling me, and mangas yeah. that talk about playing a oh there's variations. some there's some great oh you're talking about mangas that depict people playing the game yeah exactly there are some really cool monster hunter like oh. sort of like one shot indie manga that oh, are actually really dope but anyways yeah okay so from daniel from Locke's perspective of the story i guess i'll just refer to myself as Locke so we can differentiate ourselves better sure. maybe i don't know does that sound cool I don't know. You guys yeah. let me know. Give let me, me know your, on Twitter at one me, shot of shine. Give me your yeah. Give me your locks of wisdom. Ah, okay, okay. Anyways, here are my locks of wisdom or lack of wisdom of this game, which oh, is our new corner, <laughs> locks of wisdom. <laughs> and then here we're gonna break here and let the theme song play. Locks I'm of wisdom. Oh, okay. Oh, lock, that works better. <laughs> More actually. like lockdown by copyright infringement. <laughs> oh, jeez, you're right. So from my perspective, Monster Hunter is broken down to you are a player who comes into this world. You go to a village, they assigned you some hunts that are available to you at your specific level, and as you progress through hunts, you get to hunt bigger and badder monsters. During a hunt, you usually go in, you eat something, you try to find the monster either with information from the village that it provides, or from just you playing the hunt multiple times. Once you find the monster, you throw a paintball at it so you can track it, and then you fight it trying to disassemble it, essentially breaking off parts of its attacks, and it changes its attack pattern at you. And then when you kill it, you skin it and turn it into armor or weapons to fight the next monster. I love this because I love that you are like this time capsule of knowledge of Monster Hunter because like you don't have any exposure to like the modern Monster Hunter games, which I love because oh, okay. I kind of hate them. I thought you were trying to shit on me, but okay. No, 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 no. I think it's great. Well, because like it's also like so fucking nostalgic because thinking back to a time where like I only knew older monster hunter mm-hmm. like it was kind of just like the like my peak experience with playing oh, the games okay. like that's when i had like the, the most consistent group of people to play with mm-hmm. that's when it, it felt like the most magical to me because it was like i didn't know all the monsters already i didn't know yeah. like meta of mm. damage i didn't really know how like the damage mechanics worked so everything was like very mysterious and you could still swim please bring back swimming hashtag <laughs> Capcom bring back swimming. We'll bring it back in our one shot. We'll do some underwater fighting. It'll be super imbalanced. That might be pretty cool. So for anybody who's listening to this, Richard, Andrew, Tara. Hi, everybody. So for like anybody who plays Monster Hunter now, like my beliefs would all be like extremely hot takes because I'm kind of like a boomer who misses the olden days of Monster Hunter where like you couldn't jump... Okay, really quickly, let's do the hot take corner of Daniel's. Go ahead and okay, just list off everything you hate about Modern Day Monster welcome Hunter. Welcome back to Daniel's hot takes. Okay, so the issue with Modern Day Monster Hunter, there was like sort of a marked point of evolution of the series where the game started out this like very simplistic game on the PS2. Mechanically, like it was very slow. Getting anywhere was very slow because like running, it still requires stamina, but like mm-hmm. it consumed a lot of stamina. You had to like eat your full stamina bar and then... Or, you know, eat to gain your full stamina bar. Oh, and then... not like physically eating yeah, your yeah, stamina yeah, yeah. bar. Well, I mean, you, you pull you it off the it. UI and you go eat, at it. You eat your full stamina bar by running for 10 meters. Okay. And then you have to wait for it to come back. Yeah, the game, it felt very slow. Your, like, weapon move set was much simpler. Like, most weapons didn't have defensive options. Mm. This was still kind of the time where, like, because, like, weapons moved so slow... By which I mean, like, not the movement speed literally was a lot slower. Maybe it was. Okay. But you didn't have, like, as many, like, movement skills. Okay. You literally just had, like, 
you press the circle button and you do a wide swing. You press the triangle button and you do an overhead swing. And it has like this huge wind up to get like prepared. So you have like huge openings for the monster to whack you. Right. So you have to really plan out every attack and movement. Is it what I'm getting at? Yeah, you had to be you had to be way more careful. And there was sort of this emphasis on like being very patient and like looking for openings. Mm. Because like truth be told, I'm not trying to say like the game was way harder. I understand that the game now has a very different dimension of difficulty. But basically like it just felt more immersive because, if I'm being honest, it wasn't difficult to avoid damage because you could just, like, sheath your weapon and then sprint around the monster. And, like, okay. eventually you would run out of stamina. You weren't just invincible if you d didn't have your weapon uh, unsheathed. But there was a much more emphasis on, like, just taking it slow, watching the monster, and then, like, slowly learning its attack patterns. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Like, because you, you couldn't just, like, attack until, until the monster, like, winded up and then, like, countered it or something. You definitely um, do sound like a boomer. It's like, everyone's trying to rush through everything nowadays. Yeah, yeah. No one's sitting down and just having conversations. Everyone's right. on their phones They're always looking the at time. their phones, and, like, they won't like the funny memes that I send them on Facebook. <laughs> right, so, um, anyways, that was a super long tangent. But basically, so, like, starting with probably, like, Monster Hunter 4, mm -hmm. which is when they introduced mounting, mm -hmm. and they also introduced mount jump attacks. Mounting what? Mounting the monsters. Oh, okay. Um, mounting your friends. Oh, that's a game on Steam. Oh, yeah, it is. I don't know anything is about it. Is that related in any way? Probably. I think it's probably Monster Hunter inspired. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Because humans are the real monsters. Oh, damn. And so you're not your friends. Is that going to be the final humans. boss of the R1 shot? Humans? It's a human? Yeah. Oh, would that be a cool... No, it would just be such blue balling. Yeah. To just be right. like, the true villain was me. <laughs> and then it's just the guild leader or something. Yeah, like a dragon just opens up and the guild leader just falls Oh, and out he walks him. out. Yeah. Yeah. And then you just have to fight a human. That, and he just yeah. sucks and you just one-shot him or something. Yeah, okay. And then you reveal at the end that it was a one-shot. And so you one-shot the guy at the end. Oh my god. And then it's like, whoa! All right. We're not going to play next week? Crazy! <laughs> All right. Big reveal! <laughs> Campaign's over, guys. We're done. <laughs> DM quits. Holy shit, what was it? Okay, hang on. I need. Okay, so I'm going to... Finish your mountain Yeah, yeah, because this is going to take 50 hours. So starting with Monster Hunter 4, I think that's when they introduced the two new weapons, too. Okay. Uh, charge axe charge blade switch axe charge blade i it fucks me up because the japanese names are different but it's like still kind of kind of english so like i yeah anyways well, flex your japanese cool i don't even remember the japanese i just know that it's like axe and sword are used interchangeably for the chart for the charge blade there's a transforming weapon in the game yeah well there's yeah about. so there's switch axe charge blade and then they also introduced insect glaive yeah let's spend another five minutes talking about weapons yeah 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 and and i naming. love well i mean it, it is a pretty big deal in monster hunter i mean we may have to incorporate that in some way but actually it might be kind of like make mechanics for the way anyways yeah and that kind of marked a change in the series where like with the next game double cross they started to introduce like weapon skills mm -hmm. um and some of them like allowed you to get like a lot of invulnerability frames or like super armor that typically wasn't available to those weapons like because mm -hmm. certain weapons were like very slow and hard hitting and so like for some uh moves they would get hyper armor though actually i don't think that was really a thing until maybe four or after Anyways. the point is current monster hunter to me feels a lot less immersive because monsters don't feel as threatening in terms of just their sort of presence in mm -hmm. the world the whole game is so streamlined that it's like boom you're in the hub sit down at a table to eat eat fast and then like start the quest and then like boom you're at the quest fast travel to the nearest camp from the nearest camp, run to the monster on the way, spam A to pick up items. And you don't even have to stop. You just, like, fucking your, your hunter's just, like, scooping up items on the way. Herbs, berries are all just falling into his pockets. Two scoops. Yep. And then, uh, and then like, you get there, and then it's just, like, boom. That whole process took, like, a minute and a half. So now you're at the fight, and then you're fighting, and then, like, 
And like, yeah, the game is still difficult, but the combat just feels less meaty to me because... It's like um, a McDonald's experience for you. For someone yeah, yeah. played such an older Playing Modern game. Monster Hunter feels just like going to McDonald's. Just going through the drive-thru, scooping up your berries, and then going right, to the Right, right, yeah, just furiously going through the drive-thru and like just trying to get to my objective while just rapidly scooping up whatever I can. All right, we're going to have to incorporate scooping into this one-shot somehow. Right. All right, but that was Daniel's hot takes. Feel free to add us at one shot at a time with your complaints on Monster Hunter, and we will not respond probably, but okay. I took a really long time to just kind of be like, Modern Monster Hunter is too fast for me. <laughs> pretty much the base. <laughs> I took like that. 20 minutes to just be like, it's too fast. Yeah, pretty very boomer-esque in that aspect. It's like, right. oh yeah, like back in my day, Monster Hunter was slow and achievable. Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. everything back goes zoom, day, zoom. A mega potion only cost me five zenny. Yeah. You young millennials need to work harder for your monster skins yeah. or I berries. I graduated the Hunter's Guild on a part-time salary, <laughs> and now I have a huge timeshare. All right, enough making fun of old people. Old people? Old people. Old people. Old people. Old people. <laughs> Old people. <laughs> All right, enough making fun of Chinese people. <laughs> We're both Chinese. I think that's okay. I don't probably... Hey, not. man, I'm American. America. Yeah. yeah, we're like ABCs, I think is the technical term. American-born Chinese. Right. I don't know if you're actually born in America. Already been Chinese. Already been Chinese. Yeah. Yes, like the already been chewed gum, gum or something. Yeah. Is that the reference there? Oh already been Chinese gum. Yeah, I was referencing a very pertinent second grade joke. Jeez. I wonder if kids even know that anymore. I don't. Maybe, actually. Anyways. Okay, so <laughs> it's been like half an hour. No, it's fine. <laughs> hey, we're fine, we're fine. And we've gotten nowhere. But I think we've established some just general feelings about Monster Hunter that we share. Yeah, well, you have. That I have. I, kind of I am imposing on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Since this is a one-shot, I guess let's determine the sort of scale of the story. Yeah. Like, is it going to culminate in one hunt or are we going to be like we're going to build up hunts until we get to like a sort of like ultimate penultimate hunt i want the aspects of hunting creatures to empower you to affect the one shot so maybe we do two to three hunts and then the first two build up so you can do the final hunt okay i like this direction before we move on do we want to literally make this like a monster hunter game or do we want to just kind of or you know like do you want a monster hunter skin or do you want a forgotten realm skin on it is there much of a difference? They're pretty similar, right? Yeah, well, so my thinking is the sort of, like, progression that you can expect from a Monster Hunter game is, like, you are tasked with hunting a monster, you check it out, and you're like, whoa, shit, this guy does a ton of lightning damage, and this one move really fucks me up, and, like, I don't do enough damage, and so, like, you, if you eventually fail the quest, you'll come back and you'll be like... Maybe I should make a set of armor that has lightning resistance, and maybe I should make an ice weapon. Yeah, like, that's the direction I kind of want to go with. Yeah. That Monster Hunter feel. So I suppose what we'll do is we'll just be like, hey, you guys are maybe it's like some veteran hunters, Mm -hmm. and you're dispatched out to this section of the world, and the people are like, hey, there's like this ancient something that has awakened, and we need you to find it and drive it away because it's wreaking havoc on the wildlife here maybe it can involve a lot of like tracking it down learning what it is finding leftover uh like plumes or like scales based on what kind of monster it is yeah and then being like oh hey this has these kinds of properties it's probably weak to this or it's probably strong against this and then when you get all those clues down then it's like okay cool well let's go we need to make gear for this Uh and so let's hunt some of the local monsters and then like get some of the gear for sure so let's figure out what monster we want to use to 
set the starting point because that's going to be the final boss that they fight but that's essentially what they have to figure out how to beat in this one-shot adventure so yeah how do you want to do this because like i can just tell you about some monsters yeah tell me about some cool monsters and i'll see if i know anything that's similar in DD. there's like a flagship monster for every game and for some reason a lot of them are lightning based okay so like in monster to try there was like a big lightning sea serpent named Lagiacris. Lagiacris, if you're uncultured. <laughs> Lagiacris? Is he, like, actually very laggy to fight? Oh, wait, no, I might be uncultured, because the Japanese is Lagiacudusu, so laggy. No, it's Lagiacris. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> fuck all y'all. <laughs> what the fuck? Fuck all y'all Lagiacris motherfuckers. <laughs> trying to, trying to get up me? at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, maybe people just don't pronounce it like that. Anyways, mm-hmm. there's always a quote-unquote flagship monster, and it's basically kind of like the poster child of the game. Mm, okay. Um, it kind of like marks like a midway point in the story and like it's sort of like the turning point where like you have to overcome this fight with the Lagiacris and you'll like prove that you're a true hunter before moving on and like doing like the stronger hunts. So Monster Hunter Try, it was like a lightning sea serpent. Um, Monster Hunter Portable 3rd, it was Zinogre, which I fucking hate the localization. <laughs> Why? Um, because the Japanese is Jinyoga, and it's kind of cool because, like, you can, like, assign, like, kanji to it. Okay. And so, like, guys, like, uh, I think it's, like, Fang, and then uh-huh. oh, it was, like, King, obviously, so it's, like, God, King, Fang. And he's, like, a wolf guy. Sounds like a super move. Yeah, no, it's, like, pretty sick. I mean, this could be me just... It's this... Yamcha's final attack. Yeah, no, it's straight up. Like, this is, like, sort of, like, my headcanon, but, like, the connotation of Ogre is, like, it does not match the monster because he's, like, very majestic. He's kind of, like, King of the Forest kind of vibe. He's, like, a, like this huge wolf, and then he has, like, spikes on his back that kind of, like, howls, like, lightning. Um, monster Hunter 4, it's, like, this big, like, sleek, black-scaled, like, giant dragon uh, where he has like he has like two wings, like two. I'm gonna stop right there. Fuck dragons. We're, we've done too many of dragons. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So a lot of them, like, there's a lot of like literal dragons in the game. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So Monster Hunter Four was like a big dragon. So and then there was like four of them in Monster Hunter Cross. One of them was like a big mammoth. One of them was like a lightning dragon. Um. There was like a giant Dinobauda. <laughs> i don't remember his english name uh, he's just making jokes of but it his Eng- oh, no his english name is glavenous okay so he's basically a giant black t-rex with like a molten or not molten but like tempered blade tail oh sick yeah it's like very power rangers or whatever like very very like sentai film kind of mm. uh monster and then there was some fourth monster fuck that guy yeah, okay yeah. doesn't matter so we have t-rex with a blade tail we have a wolf with lightning imbued spikes i think and yep. a sea serpent that is also lightning themed all three of them sound really cool oh uh, sorry it was like a water serpent dog it's a dog and it like shoots bubbles well it has like a wolf face but it has like a certain serpent body and then mm-hmm. it like kind of like shoots bubbles at you i wonder does it feel a little too corny to be like hey well the monster we're fighting is going to be fire elements so we should go hunt some water monsters like, does that feel too gamey for D&D? No, I think that's what people want when they're playing D&D. They want that gamey aspect sometimes. And okay. that's a very easy connection to make. Like, someone could literally suggest it as a player without the DM being like, hey, here's an NPC. It's like, that guy seems dangerously hot. Get someone wet and cool to smack down that fire. Uh, okay, I've never encountered that in a game of D&D, but sure. Well, I mean, I guess even monsters in D&D have resistances and weaknesses. Yeah, it's already part of built into the stat block, so it's definitely doable. Right, right. So we want to do, like, it's going to be like a world where there are giant monsters, and then you're mm-hmm. going to go hunt some monsters. Yeah, you're going to hunt one big monster that's threatening a village. That's your lore, and it's going to be one of these iconic ones based off Monster Hunter, so we can kind of stick a little bit closer to the prompt. Okay, um, but they're going to be knockoffs. They're going to be knockoffs, Okay, yeah. great. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, copyright reasons, obviously, right? Yep, yep, yep. Um, so the ones that are catching my eye is Dog Leviathan Serpent Thing and Wolf Lightning 
dog. They're both wolves, I guess, right? Yeah. Oh, but okay. So I didn't mention these aren't the final boss monsters. They're mm. kind of just like the kind of like midway bosses. Like, final boss monsters is usually like some giant thing that like d- doesn't feel like a normal monster to fight because uh. it's like a leviathan. But I think that would be weird to handle for a one shot unless you wanted to do that. Because um, there's like monsters where you like literally get on ballistas and like shoot giant ballistas at them. Okay, fuck that. Yeah, no, that's different. Like, we'll save that for like maybe a future one shot. Let's kill the poster child. So we have two of them that I think are interesting. Out of these two, mechanically, are there anything specific about them in the game that makes them stand out from each other? The the water dog and the... The lightning wolf thing? Oh, the wolf. Oh man, I love Janoga. Let's and go you... Janoga. Like, it sounds cool. Just sounds like a cool dog. What were you asking? So when you're fighting Janoga, right? Like, what do you have to do to prepare for that fight in Monster Hunter? And then also when you're fighting him, is there things like breaking off pieces? Does he change his tactics that you have to be really aware of? Yeah. Janoga's kind of cool because he, he has like a very signature mechanic that isn't really present in other monsters. It Well, okay. So first, in terms of preparation, it's really just he does lightning damage, primarily lightning damage when he's enraged. Yeah, so obviously, if you were really struggling and, like, taking a lot of damage, you would want to, like, get something with, like, some lightning resist. If you get hit with a lot of lightning damage, that's not technically why you get stunned, but just, I'm gonna summarize it. Then you get stunned more easily, so, like, maybe you you would want to put on stun resistance, like, if you're getting stunned a lot. Okay. And, uh, right, and he has this signature mechanic where, like, he will stop to sort of, like, charge his energy, and then if you let him charge enough, that's how he gets into rage mode. So it's, like... There technically is a threshold of damage that you can hit where he will just instantly go in rage. But if you let him charge for long enough without like flinching him out of it, out of that animation, then he will go like into rage earlier than he would have. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so that's sort of like a signature thing that uh, most monsters don't really have, which could be usable maybe. Yeah, it sounds like we might actually have to make like a custom monster for this, which would actually be pretty fun to do together. Before we start breaking down the stats of Zenogre, if I'm pronouncing that right. Yep. That's not the right one, right? Well, it's the official English, yeah. Yeah, but that's not as cool, right? Indeed. It's, uh, uh let me let me get this pronunciation down. We're okay, there you go. Jinoga. See if you can read that. Jin. Oh, does it say that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't have to read it because I can read the English. So, Jinoga is... Go Google this if you want a picture of it, but from what I'm seeing here, he's a wolf with lots of spikes on his back. So I think we could probably take... Depending on what we want to do for the character levels we're recommending for this one shot, then decide on what we want to slap on to create the stat block. Right. Because if we're going in at like level four, it's going to be very different for what he can do at level 10. And since he sounds like he's like a mid-tier boss, I would say having the player start level 10 would be like a reasonable spot. Okay, yeah. But he's just going to have a lot of like physical abilities that make him difficult to deal with. That's why they have to do other hunts to prepare for it. Right. So clearly, like you said, lightning resistant he's resistant to lightning or he's immune to lightning because he's a lightning dog right 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 so that's number one probably to buff his damage stats let's find something at around level 10 to kind of use as a baseline and then build off of that yep sounds good i'm seeing dragons so i'm just gonna go ahead i think repurposing a dragon would probably be pretty good because they they like breath attacks and stuff can like you can just reflavor it yeah for sure so we're thinking to just start off at repurposing any kind of cr or challenge rating 10 dragon so like a young red dragon young gold dragon yep. and then going off that yeah this is actually perfect because yeah. it's like bite and a claw there's like literally moves that he uses and that's, mm. that would be like the standard attacks and then he has like some elemental attacks so that's what we're dealing with and so we'll just say like hit points armor class 
uh, speed. He can't fly, right, I assume, because he's a right, dog. Right, Give him swim speed if you need it. We're assuming the battle map probably won't take up that. It'll probably be in some foresty region. Is that where you fight him in the game? Yeah, yeah. Like, his original appearance, it's a kind of this cool, remote, like, sort of eastern aesthetic village. Cool, sort of, like, very mountainous bamboo forest-looking place. But yeah, just essentially just take the gold dragon and repurpose it into, like, a lightning variant. I guess it would be, like, the white... The blue dragon variant is lightning The blue based. eyes white dragon, yeah. Yeah, the blue eyes white dragon, exactly. Yeah. Seto Kaibo will be proud. Give him the damage immunity to lightning, and he will probably have the... Uh, uh, yep, you got this. Believe in yourself. Thank you. It's damage immunity to uh, non-magical weapons, because that's uh, an easy way to like get them onto their first uh Oh, hunt. right, because it's like we have to make quote-unquote magic weapons. To go deal with yeah, them. Yeah, okay, cool. Let's, yeah, that's a good hook. And then you can reflavor the breath weapons to be the lightning based. And then we could probably add in aspects on breaking off pieces to really kind of hinder him and slow him down, because that seems to be part of it. Oh, dude. It's the breath weapon recharge mechanic is actually like so perfect for this. Oh yeah? Because you can make it so like he only uses breath weapons while he's in like rage mode, like lightning mm-hmm. mode. And so like you can have him every turn he like takes an action to like charge and he does a check. And then, like, the more damage you've done to him, like, during that round, like, the higher DC he has to hit or something. Mm, okay, um, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, we can revisit that. I was just looking at the block, and I, sure. I thought that fit really well. Did you have anything else you wanted to add about his attributes? No, those are just, like, the baseline ones. I think everything else you can kind of take as is. He probably isn't persuading anyone, but I don't think the stealth either matters much, because they're just going to be going into this combat kind of like, this is a duel between God and humans. Yeah. Rebel 1, fight. <laughs> uh, the wheel of fate is turning. You're not going to be able to seduce this wolf, sorry, okay? Wait, no, no, but I, in my backstory, I told you, I sent you, I sent you that. <laughs> my character's a man who have sex with animals. I, yeah. And you said that was going to be okay? <laughs> <laughs> this isn't an animal. He's a Zenoger. Janoga. Let's let's move on. Minoga. Mino Minover. What do you usually do to prep yourself? You said getting lightning resistance was a big one. I think getting magical weapons is one you can slap in there. Yeah, so like preparing equipment, that'll probably be like one phase of our of our preparation. Okay. I imagine you would like go out on one hunt to get the weapon, and then you go out on another hunt to get your arm. Is there anything else that you can do to prepare for this fight from a monster hunter standpoint? You can prepare like traps and bombs and healing items and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, that might be interesting. Is there any information gathering in any ways? Well, in the game, mm-hmm. because it's a game, usually it's like you get a quest for a new boss. Yeah, that guy's D&D's not a game. This is real life! This is serious! <laughs> this is my livelihood. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so because because it's like a, like a video game, you pretty much just like go out on the hunt and then you like see what the monster does. Mm-hmm. And then like if you want, you can like try and finish the quest or you can like come home and then prepare again. So we were talking about sort of like tracking it and then like trying to figure out its like habitat slash habits. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like this, I, I gave the example of like, oh, finding a shredded scale and like being able to figure out the, like its magical properties back at base or whatever. So do you think it would be interesting for the players to be able to fight this right off the bat? And then get their ass handed to them, but they obviously get to escape for some reason or another. Yeah, another thing that sometimes happens in Monster Hunter games is, like, the flagship monster will, like, show up in a quest that's just, like, gather ten mushrooms. And then it's like, boom, here's, like, this big-ass monster. And, like, you'll get, like, a little NPC text pop-up that's like, it's too early for you to fight this. Oh, okay. Like, run away with the items or whatever. Like, you know, like, don't try and fight, don't try and be a hero. So you could do that where... It sort of just shows up, and maybe, like, there's a DMPC with the party, like, your guide or something. Mm-hmm. Like, a, a village local. 
who's just like, oh, like, that's him. And then you kind of like have a, a brief run in with him and then he runs away. Something like that. No, I like that. I mean, it's just kind of like the opening exposition in a sense where it's like, scenario one, your party is out gathering ingredients for this local village because they asked you to do this. And then suddenly this motherfucker shows up. And I think there's an example where you could have them fight it. And Mm. then there's like, you're doing no damage because your weapons aren't magical. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. They can do he can do a lot of his attacks at you. And then when you're knocked out, you just like, oh, you wake up in the village and then you see the little cat guy save you or something. Right, right. Oh, yeah, there should be felines in this game for sure yeah wait are they just called felines i thought they had like a specific name Uh, for the people i don't remember exactly how it works i i'm pretty sure in the older games they were called felines i think starting with like monster to four they started calling them palicos or maybe there was like never an official translation Mm. before that point but i mean i kind of just call them felines okay yeah so that's what we call them in our game it's felines cool so there's just like little like sort of anthropomorphic cats but they mostly look like cats yeah yeah, yeah. and then i guess your character can fuck it because that's what it does mm, <laughs> you're not gonna let me run away with that one huh? <laughs> no i'm not <laughs> so i'm gonna start introducing myself on this podcast so oh, please no i'm the other daniel i <laughs> fuck animals <laughs> He doesn't actually fuck animals. I'm going to get arrested after this. <laughs> Please, uh, American government, FBI, <laughs> get away from us. NSA, if you're listening, yeah. I DM'd you my next character's backstory, so let me know what you think about that. <laughs> oh, man. I wonder if the people at the NSA play D&D. Probably. Yeah, there's probably somebody. They're nerds, right? Yeah. And they're probably listeners right now. Yeah. Hear that, you nerds? <laughs> Thanks for supporting the podcast, American government. Yeah, I mean, you're probably the one extra listener, and I don't know who it is. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, it's just like, <laughs> from the White House? Huh? Get some government I don't think the NSA there. works out of the White House. They probably work out of the Pentagon? Yeah, something like that. Octagon? One of the other? Out of the Octagon. Yeah, the Octagon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. The UFC Octagon. Right, it's a fight right. ring. Okay. Isn't, it the, isn't it WWE? Is that UFC? No, no, UFC is the MMA thing. WWE's uh, no, no, the I know, but... Oh, yeah, it's UFC like the is the octagon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Yeah, shapes. Okay, cool. I love talking about stuff that both of us <laughs> know very little about. And then the audience can listen and be like, oh, yeah, they don't know shit and call us <laughs> out. So hopefully we make you feel better about listening to us not know anything. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay, how do you like that, though, first scenario where you could probably skip it if you want. I think it's like a very optional one for your game, but... No, as a player, I think it's a great hook. Well, because basically as a player, the worst feeling in the world is being told that you can't kill something. And so players will do everything in their power to make sure that they become able to kill anything. Mm -hmm. So it's perfect to be like, oh, you see that your weapons don't really have any effect. Mm -hmm. And then maybe like the guide will be like, oh, you know, he has resistance to... I guess it would just be like... Because the reasoning would kind of be like, oh, you need to go and get like a magical weapon from like the magical materials of a magical monster yes so i guess that i don't you know can kill yeah so i don't know if you want to be like he's just resistant or if it's like you need that element specifically i guess it makes more sense to be like you need the opposite element yeah that's what i was going with which what would be the opposite of lightning well he's weak to ice in the game oh, okay so we'll have frost damage i think it's reasonable yeah and we can come up with a cool ice monster. Yeah, like a frost giant. Actually, that's great because it kind of gives you a chance to be like, okay, well, we're going to travel to a different locale now. And mm-hmm. then maybe it's like a snowy mountain. That's a monster hunter thing as well. Okay, cool. So we can do that. Yeah, yeah, we can. The more monster hunter, the better. I think that's how we decide if our one shot is good is how close we can stay to the prompt. Right. Well, one of the cool aspects of monster hunter is definitely just like the feeling of being in a contiguous world, mm-hmm. even though 
what it comes down to is like there's four maps yeah and one of them is a volcano one of them is the plains and one of them is a mountain and one of them is uh you know like the desert okay so we got the mountain down already so that's right. cool and then i guess the wolf is in the plains or the forest yeah so i, I assume it'll be like the the village is maybe like in a remote forest and mm-hmm. then like obviously the the monster or the the Genova is going to be like prowling around that village um and so you'll need to like go out to get your ice weapons in the snowy mm-hmm. plains and then i guess you would need like thunder resistance so maybe you would go and hunt a different monster maybe a jellyfish oh that's an interesting take yeah maybe you go out and like you do some underwater combat yeah it, it depends on how in depth you want to make it but it could be either underwater combat or it's like pulling an underwater monster out of the water so you right. can fight it in a more advantageous scenario but before we dive to the resistance let's first get the weapon down because that's probably the most important thing that they have to deal with is mm-hmm. being able to hit it well i guess this is the other question we have class dynamics already in D, and some of them are all casters that can already shoot magic um true how do we kind of play with that because the magic hitting something with like magical a non-magical resistance like werewolves have is very effective for martial classes. That's a good way to restrict them in the sense right. and then kind of give them a big payoff at the final fight. Yeah. But for a caster, they kind of don't give a fuck and they just go pew, pew, right. pew. And they just shout lightning bolt. And then that gets resisted completely because they're damage immune. So that's okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that is interesting because you don't want to just be like, magic doesn't work or make it like a low magic campaign would be an option. Maybe like only let them play martial classes. Okay, so to be fair, like, you can say that the party recommendation for this is for full martial, like, because that's totally doable, because that's how we designed it, right? and that's fine, if that's the direction you want to take. The other direction is also that if they're playing four casters, they're probably going to get want pretty quickly, and then they do need the lightning resistance for sure, and then one of the items, instead of a magical weapon, is just more paralysis resistance or lightning resist or something like that. Yeah, it kind of takes away from the... The other thing is certain classes have access to just like magic weapons anyways, especially at level 10. There's like, yeah, a lot like of monks and stuff. spells. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff that's just like treated as a magical weapon. So mm-hmm. I guess the approach of being like it has to be lightning damage. Or frost damage, right? You're sorry, yeah, frost damage is a good approach because that's something that most people probably won't have as mm-hmm. a martial class. Mm-hmm. I think you're going the right way. That's probably the only real way we can do it is just say if we wanted the first fight to feel like they can't do anything against it. Mm-hmm. You just say he's only susceptible to frost damage. Right. And that's it. There's yeah. nothing else. And you may learn that during your first encounter, but mm-hmm. there's no way you're going to deal out that much damage. And the equivalent of that for the casters when everyone else gets their weapons is they learn frost spells from the monster mm. they face. So either a cone of cold, frost bolts, or frost variants of their spells, you can just say that like, oh, your fireball now is a frost ball. So that's right. kind of the reflavoring you can do. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm just wondering, like, will there be a scenario where... Because I would feel bad if one of the players was just like, well, I'm not really getting anything because, like, I already have frost spells and, like, I don't need a weapon Mm -hmm. and... Yeah, sometimes there's not no way to hit everybody effectively, but the only other thing is, like, if you can't give them a frost spell, maybe give them like a, some item related that can amplify their abilities, give them their advantage on mm. rolls, maybe they give them a guaranteed crit or something. I think that's the closest thing I would recommend doing in that scenario. Mm-hmm. But there's so many different classes and different things you have to watch for in D&D that you can't really get everybody each time, sadly. Right. Well, because it's like a monster hunter thing, it's like such a specific scenario of like, first craft your weapon and mm. then you can do more damage to the boss. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's like something a little more satisfying that can make it feel like even as a caster, 
you're kind of like peeling away some layer of defense from them. Well, they have breaking parts, right? And that's a part of Monster Hunter. Is there any mm. way we can give like casters like aimed strikes or something along those lines or some kind of way of busting down his defenses? Like maybe you can reduce the rage meter in some way or possibly like mm. from a mechanical standpoint, like it's the breath weapon, right? If you hit him with your spells now that you fought the earlier monster, you figure out a way to either slow down his movement, uh, restrict his ability to see something along those lines. Yeah, that could be good. I'm thinking about it from the perspective of like, as a martial character, there's sort of a payoff of like, oh, we've tracked the monster and we've discovered through some means or another that he's weak to this element. So Mm -hmm. now we're going to go get the element. The payoff is you go into the fight and you do a lot of damage because he's weak to that. But as a caster, there's not really that moment of like, oh, because this property of the monster, I can do this. And there's like that kind of payoff, right? Because it's kind of just like, I'm just going to do what I would have done. Which I guess is fine if you're a caster, right? Because like you're kind of a mage, right? Yeah, you're meant to be a bit like more utilityed. And with the frost, if you wanted to go like frost flavoring all of their spells for them so they Mm -hmm. can just use everything, that is an option. Though them knowing to use frost spells is also a huge thing too. That's true. Yeah, because yeah, I guess there's the payoff of like, oh, he's weak to frost, or he's weak to ice. I have ice spells stocked. Or like, oh, okay, well, I'll rest, and then I'll learn some ice spells. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if they don't have any, you can kind of give them some from fighting the monster, saying like, oh, you learned this frost spell because of fighting this monster, which yeah. is another direction okay. to go about. Yeah, maybe he drops some special reagents or something. Yeah, yeah. reagents, okay. components for yeah. the component pouch, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So I think that's the, from a quick perspective, like those are ways I would approach it for the spellcasters. Yeah. And it's at least something for them. You can even go deeper and be like, oh, here are special traps or environmental effects that now you can develop. But for now, I think that's the most we can really do, and we should probably move on to the next topic. Yep. Then the next part is, what is the monster they're fighting in the mountains, right? They gotta fight something frost-themed, so... Right. I think the mammoth would might be perfect, because CR6, you don't want them to be, like, hammering through full heavy... Full-on challenge rating 10 boss fights. The point is to hunt something weaker that gives you an edge against the stronger monster. Yeah. So actually this works. So they should be like, I think a mammoth would be perfect. Just mm-hmm. have them fight a mammoth in the tundra and they take its tusks and use it. Right. And right. if you really want to simulate that monster hunt experience, make it do, make them do it like 10 to 15 times. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, if you're running low on time, just say it didn't drop the right part. <laughs> and it's funny because then you get the sort of, like, it's really ingrained into you that you are killing, like, multiple of these monsters over and over again. Just wiping out a really herd. really culling the population, yeah. Yeah, freaking Ice Age all over again. Manny yeah. as a kid's. Oh god, that's really sad. Indeed. Did you ever watch Ice Age? Uh, well, I have, but I don't really have an emotional connection to it, so I kind of don't care. Okay, whatever. Fine. Screw that reference. <laughs> Throw it out the window. Okay, so a mammoth would be a good option for the tundra and getting them the ice weapons. And you can say that after they kill the mammoth... They strip the t- ice tusk that it has. If you really want to in- extend its flavoring, yep. the gore attack, instead of just being piercing damage, you can slap on a D6 of frost damage too. Right. But the main idea is that once they kill this, they get their weapons all imbued with ice elementals or they're crafted to be ice elemental to be flavored similar to Monster Hunter. Yep. And then that in itself, because the enemy is the final boss, the... Jinoga. But honestly, like just grabbing this weapon alone probably gives the party a big buff into the fight because... If they're level 10 and they're fighting, like, a CR-10 dragon, 
and they're doing extra damage already, they're right. going in hard. Yeah, you know? They yeah, might yeah, not even yeah. need the resistance. Right. Now it's kind of like that Monster Hunter aspect. Like, do you want that extra layer of really pub stomping this monster? Right. If you do, here, let's go find something for some legendary resistance. Mm-hmm. And that'll be the next fight. I guess you could always let them go back and scout out the monster too to like kind of learn aspects of it if right. you want to role play that out too. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. We could do it similar to what we did for the first episode mm-hmm. where it's like you kind of figure out some weaknesses and then you can use that during the fight oh okay um yeah. we can kind of loop back on that because there's we probably take a long time to like actually think of interesting ways to use that yeah okay um so second like what's i guess for legendary resistance for lightning what's anti-lightning pokemon says ground but um what would oh you mean in terms of building defenses yeah building a defensive shell i don't know because you could probably do multiple things like i i think it would be kind of nice to give the option of just like letting players forage or like explore the surrounding area to like try and figure out ways to like do something that will build defense or like make you resistant to lightning or something like that as opposed to just being like hey here's a lightning monster you can fight now Mm, okay um so i mean i guess keep both options open yeah so like really quickly i would say one of the options is what daniel's suggesting they could go forge the forest for vines and or maybe there's grass. like a uh there's like a certain like sort of electric element or like very conductive though that doesn't make sense it wouldn't make you resistant maybe something rubbery yeah well i was thinking maybe that's like an ore or something and oh. then like you can bring it back to the blacksmith and then he'll craft you like a sh- like you know special shield or special armor yeah and you can do that as like a survival check especially if you're running low on time but they still want that particular like lightning resistance you're like oh you can go and scavenge for that yeah if you want to go the opposite route one monster i know for sure that you can use that has lightning resistance i think built into it is like a shambling mound Mm -hmm. and it's not that strong so you can say that you have to hunt like two to three of them right and then once you kill three of them you can build armor or maybe each one counts as one armor and then you have to hunt them multiple times for your whole party i like the idea of um this is my own idea so it feels kind of stupid to be like no, you know what? I actually really like this idea. I like the idea of like sending them out to like a mountain and mm. then being like, well, I guess they're already going to a snowy mountain, but you know, going to like a sort of mountainous region where there's like a lot of rich ore veins and okay. being like, oh, hey, there is a special ore here that will, for some reason, it's magic. I ain't got to explain shit, <laughs> okay. make you resistant to lightning. Yeah. And then you go there and maybe, maybe there are those like shambling mountain things because, and they're there because they're attracted to oh, the ore or whatever. Okay, yeah. So, so you go there and it's like, okay, we found the ore and there's something there that we have to clear out before we're able to mine it safely and bring it back. Yeah. I like that too. Okay, cool. Cool. It was a great idea. Thanks. Yeah. You're a great, you're a great, you have great <laughs> ideas. I, I agree. You definitely have great ideas. That's why you're on this I'm podcast. I'm the fucking best. Uh, the best around. <laughs> Nothing. Everyone loves my ideas for D&D. <laughs> Perfect. All right, cool. So we have two scenarios for you to deal with, and the encounter can be optional for the second one. And then the Malmeth, it's pretty chunky, so it'll probably take some time, too. Right. Now they're fully geared up, and they're ready to fight Jinoga, which I think I finally said it right, you know, character growth for this entire episode. Great. Good job. As they're fighting Jinoga, they have the weapons to deal damage, they have lightning resistance. Honestly, they're probably really beefy for this fight. You might even want to pump the CR-10 Dragon's HP, just maybe like an extra 20 to 30, because they're going in doing double damage, like just off the bat. Right. Either that, or make him just do more damage. Just kind of make it feel a little more, uh like high stakes yeah that's definitely an option too especially if they have the resistances then they you know he's essentially ah, just taking half right anyway, right so. yeah it would be really lame if you got into the fight and you like you did all this preparation and mm-hmm. then it was just like okay he hits you for uh 12 
that's half to six. And you're just like, oh, okay, well, this fight wouldn't have... We maybe didn't even need this. Well, you definitely did because you wouldn't have been able to do any damage to him originally. Yeah, yeah, but I mean for the for the resistance. Isn't right? that the point of that, though? Like, I, I guess this is from a game design aspect. Like, when you go for the resistance, you want that to be the payoff, right? Yeah, yeah, but it would just feel kind of cheap, you know, if it was just like, okay, he hits you for 20 and that's half to 10. On top of that, you kill him very fast. Mm-hmm. And then you look at your character sheet and it's just like, okay, well, everybody's still above like 70% health. Well, I, I'm just saying, like, it feels a little lame yeah. if it was his base damage. Yeah, yeah. But I guess what you could do is just say, hey, you're resistant to lightning damage. He still does physical, but he has mm-hmm. this, like, devastating breath attack. Yeah. That, like, would have just wiped you guys for sure if exactly. you didn't have resistance. Yeah, because if you're looking at just, like, the flat breath attack of a young dragon, yep. it's, like... Young, bit- supple dragon. <laughs> Jeez, okay, getting really into that scaly terms. <laughs> Love those. <laughs> okay. Young. But it's pulling out, like, 55 right off the bat, and that's, oh, like... Oh, shit, that's, that's an AOE. Damage? Yeah, yeah, damn. And it's got a save of a DC 17 dex save. That's heavy, you know? Like, that's not easy to deal with, especially if he's hitting those recharges constantly. Right. But I guess that's the next question is, are we gonna do something with the rage mechanic to add to the dragon to kind of make him feel more like Jinoga. Yeah, I think let's spin it into the recharge system. Mm-hmm. So we can have it be like... So kind of what happens during the, the Monster Hunter fight is mm-hmm. like once he charges, he kind of like unleashes this... Or I guess like kind of lightning strikes him mm. is what it looks like. And then he, he's kind Sounds of like charged with the energy. Yeah, it's he's like a really sick monster. And so I guess we can have it be like he does checks to like see if he can get into rage mode. And then he, like, exits rage mode by, like, unleashing the elemental energy in the breath attack. Okay. So it's kind of a way of being like, okay, he's buffed when he's in rage mode, and then, but he can't just, like, spam breath attack, because that would be a little too much. Yeah. We can have it be something like, well, to kind of, like, borrow the game mechanics, we'll do, like, based on how much damage he's taken on the turn that he's doing his charge, and you can maybe, like, maybe he doesn't do a check to enter it, like, every round, so you can be like, okay, this is the round where you really got to like do all your burst damage to like prevent him. Mm-hmm. So based on how much damage he's taken, the DC for him to actually get into rage mode is higher. And then once he's in rage mode, maybe he like, he gets an extra 1d8, 2d8 of lightning damage on his attacks. Okay. And then I don't know if you would want to like do then a breath weapon check to see if he uses the breath weapon or maybe just have it like after one or two turns. Well, let's make sure we're on the same page here because what I'm hearing is that Jinoga will come into the fight not being able to use his breath weapon. Right. Um, once he hits about either half HP or he has like a rage check, yeah. he will essentially be able to use his breath weapon and then his bite and claw will do more damage. Will do like a lightning imbue damage. Right. Like maybe like 1d8 like you're saying. Yeah. Okay. That's what you're thinking right now. And yep. then after he's in rage mode, he can now do breath weapons but have to recharge it. And then if he hits the recharge, he can use the breath weapon. Yeah, you know, I think I think that's better. I think I think we just have it be like... You can potentially prevent him from going into rage mode the whole fight. And maybe you can kind of, like, signal that to your players beforehand by, like, I don't know, some kind of, like, ecology check or whatever. (laughs) Nature Um, check, I think, is what it is. Or maybe an animal handling. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, it would be weird to just be like, do a nature check and then you'll find out everything about the monster. Oh, yeah. You know, like, about his behavior. I I was thinking, like, maybe there's, like, an ecologist or something who's been watching him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, who can tell you. Yeah, you can, like, add that to the list. Maybe the person you're bringing mushrooms to gives you more information. Yeah. Or there's, like, an old elder in the village. Right. Maybe who's... there's, like, legends about him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah, he gets pissed off. And then <laughs> he, he has anger issues. <laughs> yeah. 
suddenly he strikes himself with lightning when There's he gets mad. Legendary monster. He has a very short temper. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't like talking about politics. Yeah. His name's Adam Sandler. His name is my father. <laughs> oh shit. Damn. Deep cut. Okay. <laughs> so your yeah. dad doesn't listen to this, right? Uh, no. And if he does, we'll cut it out. Okay. My dad's not actually like that. It's just I like making my dad jokes, and it's kind of <laughs> fucked up because like he's not a bad person, and yet. I really love to, like, pretend that, like, I have abandonment issues. Because <laughs> I just think it's really funny, but then people are just like, oh, damn, like, is Daniel okay? He just, Daniel just wishes for abandonment issues. He <laughs> yeah. just wants to feel like he matters. Yeah, yeah, I need, like, a, I need, like, a cool IRL backstory. Okay. He needs a gimmick for right, his character yeah. development. Because otherwise there's no, there's no hook for people to talk to me. Yeah, yeah, you can't really roleplay a character if there's no reason for yeah, him to go exactly. on an adventure, right? Okay. So, I think that's good. We'll just do, like... He has, let's just say, like, he has to do a rage check. It's base DC 10. I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, so 50-50. And for every 10 points of damage he takes, the DC goes up by one. Okay. Something like that. Okay. So, so if you do 100 damage, it goes up to DC 20. 20. That's, uh, so he basically has to hit a nat 20. Okay, and then the rage check probably starts after he gets hit once, right? Maybe? Or do you want to just start at the beginning? He just, like, starts off getting hit by lightning. It is a pretty low... So maybe we'll have it, like, on initiative one, basically. So at the end of the round, he'll do a, a check to go into rage mode. Yeah. And then I think it's fair to just do it every round because, like, he's probably going to be taking enough damage that, like, the chances of hitting, like, a 15 mm -hmm. ev like f on every round is, like, actually kind of low. Yeah. Like, it's only, like, a 25% chance. Yeah. Which I think is good because, like, it would be a little too easy if he never went into rage mode. So okay, like, so you do want him to actually go into rage mode at some point, for sure. Like, that's yeah, unavoidable. Right, because otherwise, like, he'll never use his lightning damage, and so the whole, like, getting resistances is sort of moot. Yeah. No, I mean, you can give him lightning moves, I think. Yeah, because yeah, that's the thing, is, like, if we want him to for sure go into rage mode, then we can always set it at, like, half HP. He automatically goes into it, right? Ah, uh, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, maybe maybe he, that's the move. Yeah, if he hits a certain limit. Like, in the beginning, he has to roll for it. But if he hits half HP, he immediately goes into it. I think that's good. Yeah. I think that's good because it's a it's a good reward to say, if you front load your damage, mm -hmm. then you can sort of have a, an easier time um, for, like, the beginning of the fight. Yeah, and you can even have the ecologist or whoever you were referencing give information about him. Like, maybe he doesn't explain his entire moveset, but he's like, hey... This legendary creature, Janoga, once faced this other titan monster, and when he was struck to, like, half, like, he was looking rough, he suddenly got struck by lightning and started breathing lightning everywhere. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, maybe just explain that, like, he somehow harnesses uh, the sort of, like, electrical energy in the air, mm -hmm. and then when he's, like, very desperate, then he, he sort of, like, will burst into so a sort of, like, last stand sort of yeah. burst of energy. I think, um, to sort of, not to, like, go too deep into the mechanics, but, like, Maybe have it more like 30% or like 25% is where like it's guaranteed because otherwise like it's sort of just like, well, we bursted him down to half health and there's not really a payoff because he was going to rage anyways. And then either way, if you're doing that much damage all in the beginning of the fight, then it just means that like you skipped to a point where he's guaranteed to go into rage, but he would have gone into rage anyways because you've done that much damage. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 true. Yeah, so maybe, like, he he's guaranteed at 25, mm -hmm. 
and then just keep the DC the same, because eventually they will not be able to do, like, 100 damage a turn. Yeah, for sure. Okay, yeah, I think that's a correct move. In that sense, I would just bump the hit points of the monster, because we're re- recommending, like, a young dragon, which is on Monster Manual, page 115. Yeah. And if you're using that, uh, this one's the gold dragon, but you can use, like, a red dragon or whatever. Right. The thing is, is that, like, what, 25% of 178, or 30%, that's pretty low yeah well i mean 178 hit points they're gonna be doing double damage yeah and so that's gonna be really low like like a fighter at level 10 can do like upwards of like 60 damage just from his attacks yeah so so. i would i would definitely bump the hp ahead of time and then maybe like daniel said give the bite and claw have like an extra d10 or something and then the rage mode give him a boost lightning attack and there's gonna be more calculations you have to put in here we still probably have to do the math but just like a rough estimate give him like 50 more hp right should be fine right yeah. yeah yeah and i think that would be enough to go with the monster and just be able to use it and it sounds like a very unique fight that you kind of build into and really represents that monster hunter theme yeah i like that we were able to sort of bake mechanics from the game into mm-hmm. D. how are we gonna scoop things though um oh we we forgot to mention that so there should definitely be encourage your players to like go on a sort of gathering run mm-hmm. so they can like pick up herbs for potions mm-hmm they can maybe so i guess because so there's like traps in mm-hmm. monster hunter and you can use them like offensively so like you can stop the monster's movements for a little bit there's a shock trap and a pitfall trap okay so you can like paralyze it temporarily you can like have it kind of like stunned temporarily um and then you also use them to capture them so like when they're low on health you can like put them in a trap and then tranquilize them and then like that's an alternative to ending the fight so i think maybe what we'll do is kind of just be like hey go out we need to like gather traps so that we can trap the monster at the end I, yeah i guess that's a move or like yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, how do you feel about it? Like, do you think it would be more satisfying to just, like, repel it or to, like, outright kill it? And if in that case, like, should there be a trap? I like the multi-angle of it. I think the village would be like, oh, we want to capture it. Or maybe there's, like, a shady, like, poaching group that's like, oh, we want you to capture it so we can keep it for our zoo or something or a military thing. Or, there could be mm. some story reason for what you do it. But I would like to be like, hey village wants you to just get rid of it another mm. group is like don't kill it we just want to push it away and another group's like no we want to capture it and then you kind of provide these three different avenues right and i would say that the killing option is obvious just drop that thing and it's dead yeah um repelling maybe you have to damage it but then drain it of its lightning breath enough certain number of times maybe is the mechanic how that works okay and then if you're looking to gather traps probably have to pick up tranquilizing related abilities to bring down its rage and or like get items for it or get items for it so so maybe something related to like a sleep spell and what the items do is like the more items you gather um increases the amount of hit points that the sleep spell works on and then you Mm. can eventually actually put it to sleep and capture it but i I don't know how this plays in the rage mechanic Uh, maybe you have to do it before it goes in a rage mode or maybe you have to do it like while it's in rage mode, I don't know. It's got to be one something like those lines. But yeah, okay. Spitballing there. Right, right. Because I, I think like narratively, this is, I think this is kind of like, the we can kind of detach this from the realm of mechanic. Because I can imagine there being like, if there's like a druid in the party mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, you're facing off against this like badass majestic thunder wolf. And they will be like, okay, I don't. I don't, <laughs> don't want to kill that thing. Like that sounds like my character would not want to do that. Yeah. Um, it would be nice if if you kind of gave an obvious avenue of like you can kind of repel it but not kill it mm-hmm. because obviously like if your players have never heard of monster hunter though i don't know why they would you would be like hey let's play a monster hunter campaign if none of you guys have played monster hunter yeah but like obviously if there's like a player that hasn't heard of it they would be like well i don't want to just like kill a bunch of cool animals mm-hmm. 
So yeah, at least for the last boss, it would be kind of nice to have an avenue of being like, you can like lead it to this place and then like fight it to scare it off and then like scare it off away from this little area. Yeah, I mean, there's other ways you can flavor it. So like maybe you drop it to zero HP, but it doesn't actually die. And, it, and it was, yeah, it runs away or it collapses over and you realize that it was actually wounded from something else and you need mm. to heal it and your druid can use some naturistic aspects. But those are some options for you. And hopefully that helps people who want to be like animal rights, vegetarian protectors. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, not necessarily just like, because you don't have to be like vegan to okay to be like, I don't want to just kill animals for no reason. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, vegans. You guys probably do like killing animals. Or more like just uh, apologize to like people with empathy. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, people with empathy. I clearly don't it's not know. Just vegans. <laughs> yeah, vegans. You're not better than everyone. We all have empathy too. Yeah, I care about animals. You fucks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. I think that's a better way to to just be like once you get it to zero HP, he runs. Yeah. He and learns his lesson. For sure. Or maybe another bigger creature shows up. Because you said there's always like another bigger monster. In oh, definitely. Game. Definitely. Yeah. You can, you can put in like a devil Joe. Mm-hmm. Big a- pickle man. What? I'll tell you later. Okay, cool. Anyways, <laughs> that's the end of our uh, podcast here. Uh, Daniel, hearing what we made here, would you want to play in it? Yeah. Honestly, it's it's made me also want to just play old school Monster Hunter. Oh, dope. Yeah. Yeah. So if you guys want to come over to my house, uh, bring your Wii's. <laughs> And we'll play some Monster Hunter Try. My address is one. No, we're skipping that. Okay, we're well, not doxing yourself. Man, I forgot it was on the Wii. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. I remember, like, I went on this wild quest to, like, mod all of my friends' Wiis so we could all play together. <laughs> Daniel's quest to mod people's Wii so like, we can play the game. I was just like, yeah, let me get up in your Wii, bro. <laughs> that's uh that, you can take that out of context let me just plug this in there bro okay it'll but, be fine yeah i mean i mean that's our one shot here as a dm it sounds fun I, i'm really interested in flushing out the mechanics a bit more and really right. tying it back into letting the players figure out the weaknesses beforehand and seeing how you can like foreshadow certain things but that's a topic for another time we did what i wanted to do which was make it feel like you're in a world where it's being inhabited by like a bunch of weird monsters you've never seen mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Yeah. And then cool. killing them and using them to kill yes, other monsters. Exactly. Anyways, that's one shot at a time. My name's Daniel Locke. I'm your forever DM. I'm Daniel Lee. I forget what I said that I was in the intro, but it probably has something to do with having sex with animals. <laughs> oh, that better not be consistent. So I am Daniel Lee and I don't I don't have a sexual attraction to animals. Oh god. Anyways, uh if you like D D or like monster hunter in a way okay i was i thought you were gonna bring it back i really didn't want to i was trying not to really hard <laughs> anyways um that was one shot at a time uh please tell your friends about this dnd podcast tell if you if you like what you heard ask share leave a review on spotify podcasts apple we're technically not on google because there's a lot of problems with that but what? yeah it sucks i don't know why but yeah leave us a review let us know what you think you can send us an email at one shot at a time cast at gmail.com letting us know any future prompts you want us to tackle and you can reach out to us on twitter at one shot at a time but yeah thank you guys all for listening we're out of here i don't know if that's a closeout <laughs>